Like we said at the top of the show, we are going to get the inside to the inside regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are now joined by Greg Allman of the Tampa Bay Times. He is a beat reporter for the Bucks. Greg, thank you so much for joining us this morning. No, thanks for having me on. Good to be on. Absolutely. Now, before we get into the Buccaneers, uh, we have to uh, talk about your connection to the state of North Carolina, not just North Carolina, but uh, specifically here in Raleigh. When I reached out to you looking for someone to come on the show, I had no idea that you had local ties. Um, Back in the day, you apparently worked for Football Friday for uh, WRAL, um, our station that we work for. So kind of a cool story. When did you work for um, Football Friday? And kind of tell us your background with North Carolina. No, it's great. Um, it's funny. I was actually back in Raleigh on Tuesday. Uh, I helped out with our lightning coverage. I was up there to cover lightning and the hurricanes on Tuesday night. Oh, nice. Um, and it was wild in that the I would have been excited just to be back in Raleigh, but the lightning team hotel was the Renaissance North Hills, which is literally like two miles from where my folks lived. Uh, went to high school, went to Enloe High School in Raleigh. Hey, uh, uh, and they, the they moved out. Uh, yeah. Uh, they moved out of like '96, so you know once your once your parents move out of town, you don't get back nearly as often. Right. <laughs> um, so really cool to get back. And, and my junior and senior year in high school uh, helped out with Football Friday, just volunteering. Um, so definitely can give a shout out to Tommy Suter and DJ Kazmierzak and Jeff Gravely, <laughs> uh, Rick Sullivan. It's really good to see these guys. Um, it, it's a, it's a lot of fun for me thinking back about that. Kind of one of my first things. Uh, working in sports media and everything. So lots of fond memories of, of Raleigh and, and even at RAL there as well. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite Tom Suter memory or moment? He's uh, one of the nicest and funniest people I've ever met. Oh, no. Tom was great to me. Very nice just to let me hang out. I, I did not realize until I worked for Football Friday how common it is for you guys that are on air to be completely business up top, uh, <laughs> like suit top, shirt, and looking sharp. Tom would have a pair of blue sneakers he wore everywhere. Yep. And it'd be hilarious because, again, up top, above the, above the waist, above the, the, the uh, table there, it's all business. But he had the pair of blue sneakers, and I always remember how funny it was. You, you just want to be comfortable, you know? And I yeah. think you, yep. sometimes you're stuck with a long day wearing dress shoes. It's just not a good thing to be. Uh, so I always liked it that he had the sneakers on even when he was working. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. What a small world, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and funny, it's... Uh, one of the guys that worked on the show um, when I was there, his son uh, worked for TV here in, in, in uh, Tampa as well. So I've got all kinds of RAL ties around me and, uh, and like I said, fun memories of back when I was just 16, 17 years old. Wow, that's pretty funny. Now, I don't have anything that good. I, I do have some ties to the Tampa Bay area kind of going reverse. I spent the first three years of my life in Tampa. I don't remember any of it. Uh, and, then I, and then I lived the next 21 in Charlotte. Uh, so I have kind of a tie down there. Uh, interesting story here with well, we're talking with Greg Allman, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Times. Now, Greg, let's talk about these Bucks. They uh, enter Sunday's game two and four. Um, kind of a good bit of hype surrounding them going into the league. They've lost three straight, but only by a very small margin, 4.3 points over those three losses. What's kind of been the story with them? They've They've been close in all these games, but just haven't been able to pull it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely disappointing where they are two and four. Um, and, and like you said, they've been in games. Uh, they tend to have been the slow starting team, especially on the road. Um, you know, had a chance to to win at Buffalo when they were down eleven in the second half. Came back, had a touchdown lead with with three minutes to go, and just kind of saw it crumble. Uh, gave up a deep ball that led to a tying touchdown, and then immediately fumbled the ball away on the next play, and, and let Buffalo kind of escape with a, a touchdown at the air field goal at the end. 
So yeah, I mean they could easily be three and three right now, uh, but they, they've had games where they they haven't been close to winning. Uh, Arizona just throttled them. Uh, Minnesota threw for three hundred sixty nine yards and three touchdowns. So their defense in particular has been much more of a problem and a vulnerability than they wanted it to be this time of the year. Uh, but I think they do feel like as bad as things have been, they're they're two games out of first place, and they have Carolina and New Orleans in the next two. So if they can just get things back on track these next two, they're they're right back in the thick of things. Well you mentioned them being close in their in their previous game and I know coming into the season Tampa Bay had been picked by some some national pundits to win the NFC South. In in terms of disappointment, is is not only is there disappointment but um is is does any of Pete do does anybody around the organization tie this back to their their foyer on on the hard knocks this this summer, I know I've heard from some teams that they felt like that kind of got them out of their rhythm and, and made training camp a little bit weirder than normal. You know, I honestly haven't heard that. I think there was definitely that concern going in that it would be a distraction. Um, and, and I think they handled hard knocks really well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was something where they got used to having things there. They were generally shown in a pretty positive light. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't think I mean, they came out of the gates. I mean, if anything, they, they had an unusual preseason and that they had hard knocks and then – week before the season started, there's a hurricane right. bearing down on Florida. So their season opener was supposed to be in Miami. Um, that game got postponed to, to week 11. So you kind of have this impromptu bye week on zero notice. Mm-hmm. And then you have to play 16 games in a row. So it, it, it set off the season kind of on an odd note rather than a bad note. Mm-hmm. But then they bounced back. They you know beat Chicago handily in the season opener. That's a win that probably looks a little better now than it did in week, week two. Um, but haven't played nearly as well as they did in that first game since then. Um, I think at home they've been a better team. You know, they played the Patriots fairly close, mm-hmm. uh, beat the Giants at home. But, you know, just this, that, I think most people would have liked to have been four and two with this team at this point. So it'd be two and four and, and kind of, you know, ranking in the bottom five of some of these NFL power rankings. Uh, it's just not who they thought they were going to be. And they've had injuries, um, at linebacker, they've missed a lot. They're, they're close to being back to full strength there, but like I said, until they get a pass rush and so they can start getting to the quarterback, it's exposing a lot of other problems on the defensive side for them. Now, Greg, you mentioned the injuries. Um, in the secondary, it sounds like Robert McClain and Brent Grimes have both been dealing with something. Are, are they expected to miss uh, this week's game? And if so, who are the guys behind them that might get that start? Yeah, there's not a lot of depth. I mean, corner is a position where – they don't have a lot of depth at all, and it kind of got exposed in the Vikings game. Uh, Grimes missed that game with a shoulder, and uh, they had to put in actually a guy local for you guys from North Carolina yep. Central named Ryan Smith, uh-huh. um, who hadn't really played significant snaps on defense. Uh, he got beat deep a couple times, hasn't really played since. Um, Grimes was kind of a, a, a new addition to the injury list yesterday. So we don't know whether that's uh, just a precautionary thing because it's an injury he's had before or whether it's something new that's popped up that could sideline him Sunday. If they don't have him on Sunday, they're hurting. That's a good thing for Cam Newton and Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches and all of them. Uh, McLean is in concussion protocol. And, again, if they're without him, I mean, they just moved him into a full-time role, uh, an every-down role as an outside corner this past week. Um, and if, if he can't go, they have to kind of choose between two very – comparably inexperienced cornerbacks, whether it's Ryan Smith uh, or a guy named J.V. and Elliott that's from Florida State and stepped up and played well at the end of last season but has, I think, three defensive snaps in the last four games. So it, it could leave them very unproven in the secondary. 
And that's a position they haven't really had a lot of success with when they've had their most experienced guys in there. Well, I wanted to ask you about the defense uh, because you, you mentioned they've been susceptible susceptible to the pass with 30th in the league in yards allowed, 23rd in TDs allowed, and uh, recently moved Vernon Hargraves to the slot um, um, position in, in corner. Um, is is it just the injuries that have, that have thrown everything off and, and just kind of this kind of piecemeal secondary that they've had to that they've had to put together? No, I mean they, they've they've had trouble well beyond injuries, tackling issues, uh, communication and coverage issues. You know, Hargraves was the first round draft pick last year. Uh, I think they had hoped he'd be a lot more solidly entrenched as an every down player and, and just wasn't covering well. Uh, so again, they, they moved him inside the nickel, which is kind of a part time role in this offense defense, I should say. Um, and, and something he might be able to bounce back from, but uh, he handled it well Sunday. I don't think he gave up a pass. I think he had four targets against him. Uh, but they need somebody to step up outside. And if it's not McLean, you know, they can either move Hargraves back outside and hope that he's picked up some confidence in the last two weeks, or, or like I said, or, or turn to somebody like Ryan Smith, who, who hasn't necessarily handled things well when, when thrust into that position before. So the Bucks have had an issue getting to the quarterback. I believe they only have seven sacks this year. It's way down yeah. in the in the in the league list. Um, I, I read an article the other day that Simeon Rice has <laughs> has offered to come back and play. Is what what is the deal with that? Is there any any legs to that or what? I don't think there's anything on the Bucks end. Uh, Sim is still <laughs> around the team. Simeon, I mean, Simeon's forty three, um, and still very much. Don't get me wrong. Might be the best fit look the part 43-year-old defensive end you could bring in, but he last played in 07. I mean, it's it's 10 years since he played. Uh, we were looking up, trying to figure out the last time a 43-year-old even had a tackle in an NFL game. <laughs> it was uh, it was Jeff Fiegels, the Giants punter nice. in 2009. Oh, awesome. Uh, way to stick, your, yeah, way to stick but, your head in there, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, like, even to get to 40, you got to go back to Bruce Smith had a sack when mm. he was 40. Clay Matthews had a sack when he was 40. It's just not an old man's position. So it's funny in that they were out in Arizona three weeks ago, and Sim still has a place out there. So he was hanging out at the team hotel in training camp. He had spent two days kind of working with their young defensive ends, which is really cool to see. And he's serious. Don't get me wrong. He would be there tomorrow if they offered him. I just don't think they want to have that circus. Um, Even though, again, they only have two defensive ends on their team that have sacks right now, and they each have one. Mm-hmm. And one of them just went on IR, so yeah. it it wouldn't take that much to outperform what's what's been out there for him. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. We're talking to Greg Almond of the Tampa Bay Times. You can catch him on Twitter at Greg Almond at Greg A U M A N. I know we've talked a lot about the defense, but switching gears a little bit and let's talk about the offense. Um, you guys are uh, Tampa Bay Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers are first in the league in passing attempts. And not only that, are second in the league in terms of yards per attempt. Is there a, maybe a little bit too much on on Jameis Winston in order to, to carry this team? I know some of that is just a product of being behind in some of these games, but it just seems like they're they're uh, this this team lives and dies with his uh, with how well he plays. Yeah, I, I think that imbalance right now, about eighty percent of their yards are coming through the air. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is just the fact that when they're on the road, they're they're falling behind big time. I mean, they've had. 24 nothing in Arizona. They had 17 nothing. So they had a lot of games where even if your intention is to run the ball as much as you can, once you get behind a certain amount, right. it's kind of two minutes the rest of the way. So Winston, I think, has played well under the circumstances. I mean, he only has uh, only has four interceptions in, in six games, which for him is a, a big step forward. Right. 
Um, and I think he's, he's handled some new talent pretty well. You know, they brought in Deshaun Jackson as a compliment for Mike Evans. Uh, they drafted O.J. Howard in the first round. He had two touchdowns on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Brate, who, you know, led NFL tight ends and touchdowns last year, has picked up where he left off. He has four scores. So they're a potent team. It's just a lot of their scoring is in the fourth quarter of games they're playing catch-up in. Um, and it hasn't necessarily been all garbage time, but they need that scoring and they need that production in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, that way they're staying in games. They can stay on their game plan. Uh, they want to have Doug Martin be kind of the running back he was two years ago, finished the second in the NFL. Uh, they just the, the scoreboard has kept that from happening a lot. No problem moving the offense through the air, 312.3 yards uh, average per game. That leads the league. Uh, you mentioned Doug Martin. He and Jacquez Rogers both have 47 carries this, this year. Uh, but the Bucks ranked 30th in the league, 80.5 rushing yards per game. Uh, what do you attribute that the lack of running game to? Um, is the offensive line having some issues, or is it just you know being behind in some of those games? The stats don't really tell the story. Yeah, it's two things. And one, they they play their first three games without Doug Martin, who was suspended. So yeah, they had yeah. Jacquez Rogers, who's a good back, but not a, a Doug Martin at when he's Doug Martin caliber running back. Uh, so I think that was part of it. And then, I mean, legitimately in four of the six games, they've fallen behind in the scoreboard where they just haven't had much of a second-half running game at all. Um, Sunday in Buffalo was a, it was a game where it was tight enough where they, they could have run better and could have run more. Uh, but Doug was kind of a, a three-yard-to-carry guy on Sunday. So I don't think their offensive line has been a problem. I think they've, they've had the pass protection they've wanted. I think they've blocked well in the run game. Um, this is a week where... You know, the, the games they played with Carolina last year were both in the teens. I think it was 16-14, 17-16 type deals. Um, so the, they want to have that. They want to shorten the game. They want to control the clock. And, and to do that, I mean, if you can get Doug Martin, you know, 20-25 carries, move the chains and, and control the possession. The, the other thing that's hurt them is that they're not a very good third-down team on either side of the ball. Um, they were the number one defense in the NFL on third down last year, like 34%. And they're at, I think, 49 right now. Buffalo had 10 third-down conversions last week. Uh, and they're also not moving the chains well on offense. So to get those sustained drives, to get running backs into rhythm, those are all things they want to do and, and just haven't done consistently so far. Right. Now, the Panthers hold the all-time season or all-time series, uh, 2013, 10-6 and six at Raymond James Stadium. Greg, how do you see this game playing out? Uh, g- give us your prediction. Yeah, right now, it feels a lot like last year's games did. Um, I can't tell. And, and honestly, some of it is very much hinging on injuries. If, if Luke Keekley can go, obviously that helps Carolina a lot. If right. these Bucks cornerbacks aren't there, that could easily make this an easy game for Carolina. Uh, but right now, it feels like a game where uh, it might not take but 21, 23 points to win. Um, I feel like the Bucks are going to recognize the urgency they have. And that if they lose this game, they're they're taking themselves out of things, really. Um, and maybe Carolina has some of that same urgency as well. But this has been a good team in Tampa, much better than on the road. So right now, I still think of it as a uh, a twenty four twenty type Bucks win right now, where they pull something out and and kind of get themselves back in the conversation at least uh, for the division. And then they have a tough one with New Orleans on the road next week. Right now, it's still early in the season. You said they need to play with some sense of sense of urgency, two and four. But do you think this is a must-win game for them at this point in the season? 
Yeah, I mean, as, as much as it can be in October. I mean, like last year, the Bucks were one and three, and were three and five, and still, you know, finished nine and seven, and, and I mean, lost a tiebreaker that would have put them in the playoffs. So they've certainly shown they can come back from something similar to what they're dealing with right now. But last year they won five in a row, and this is not a schedule that really lends itself to a five-game win streak. Um, they're in the middle of six road games in eight weeks. They go to Miami, Atlanta, and Green Bay three weeks in a row. So it's just, I mean, Green Bay is a little easier now because Aaron Rodgers isn't there, but it's still a nasty schedule. They still have, I mean, this is the first division game they played. So, I mean, six of their 10 games that are left are NFC South games. And I think the the division has shown itself to be better than last year. Uh, New Orleans is certainly better than expected. Maybe Atlanta's taking a step back. So, no, I, I think, you know, before this game, I think everything's still in play for them. You can dig out of a two and four hole if you play well in your final 10 games, but it's going to take probably seven and three in those 10 games to have any reasonable expectation of making the playoffs. Absolutely. There you have it. That's the inside of the inside from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side. Uh, Greg Allman joining us here, Tampa Bay beat writer uh, for the Tampa Bay times. You can catch him on Twitter at Greg Allman. Greg, thank you so much for the time and uh, we, we appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you up here in Raleigh soon. All right. Thanks again, guys. Have a good one. All right. See you, Greg. Thank you.